Good morning, Central Baptist Church Saints, and good morning to you two friends who are joining us for this morning's live stream. And may God bless you as you join us and hear the Word of God. So what we've been doing uh, for the past few weeks uh, of this lockdown, we've been looking at um, a mini-series that we call Encounters with, Encounters with Jesus. And in this series, we're trying to um, get to see uh, different individuals who encountered Jesus and what resulted from those encounters. And this morning, we want to consider Jesus and the Gerasim demoniac. And we were going to look at free at last. And we, our scripture reading is from Mark chapter 5, verse 1 until verse 20. Let me read God's word for us this morning uh, from Mark chapter 5, verse 1 up until verse 20. And then I'll pray for us and we'll continue with what God has to say to us through his word this morning. Let us look at God's word in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 up until verse 20. I read from the ESV Bible and uh, follow me as I read God's word. This is what it says. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For you are saying to him, Come out of the men, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged them earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000. And the head, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The headsmen fled into the city and, and in, in the country, and people came to see. The headsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had who had had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they, they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat. The, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him, and, uh, begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. This is God's word. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, 
what a joy it is to come to you and to hear your word. Our request, our desire is that you will speak to us. And as you speak to us in your word, you will build in us hearts that trust you, hearts that rely on you, and hearts that see you as enough. We pray that you help us, even this morning, to look at your word with eyes that are opened by your Holy Spirit, with hearts that are, are changed, with minds that are, are willing to, to hear and, 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 and with a will that will be transformed and conformed to your will. In the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray this. Amen. When Jesus began his ministry, his message was about the kingdom of God that has come. He, in, in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, Mark tells us that Jesus Christ was preaching, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. You see, his mission was to establish a kingdom for God and, and to create citizens for this kingdom through his death for sin on the cross and his, his resurrection. His kingdom, uh, the, the kingdom of God, um, has two aspects to it. There is the kingdom now, the, the, the kingdom now, and there is the kingdom not yet. That is the kingdom that will be established in its, in its fullness with the coming and the consequent reign of Christ in the, in, in, in the coming age. And one of the, the ways this kingdom is, is made manifest in this world, the kingdom now, the way it is made manifest is through the destruction and the defeat of the kingdom of Satan. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 functions as a key text to announce the coming of the Messiah who will crush the head of the, of the serpent through his death on the cross. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the Apostle John tells us why Jesus came into the world. He, he gives us the reason why Jesus came into the world. And he says this in, in, chapter, in 1 John chapter 3, verse, 6, verse 3. He says, The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And Paul speaks of the effect that the redeeming work of Christ had on those who are bound by sin and on the kingdom of darkness. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 to 15, he tells us about what God has done. He says God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of, of sins. In this encounter that we just read, we, we see Jesus delivering a man who has suffered for an undisclosed amount of time from a, a demonic possession. It, it is not a passage that teaches us about the techniques of exorcism or even a case for why eating bacon is wrong. But what Mark wants to show us here is the fact that Jesus is the king who has all authority even over demonic powers, even over unclean spirits. And he, and, and he, has, he has come to, to give deliverance to those who are following the course of the prince of the power of the air. But those who are dead in their sins and the trespasses, Christ has come to bring deliverance. We see, in, as the story unfolds, 
four dramatic episodes that show the authority of Christ. We see first a tormented man. We see secondly, confrontation with the evil spirit. Thirdly, the response of the community. And fourthly, a changed man. Let us look at the first episode, the first dramatic episode. We see a tormented man in verses 1 to, to verse 5. The text tells us that Jesus and the disciples came to the country of the Gerasenes. This was after the disciples were were caught in a storm and and Jesus commanded it to be still. They they came to the other side of the sea in the country of the the Gerasenes. His his presence as they they, they get out of the boat is immediately felt. He he encounters a demon-possessed man who comes running to him. Mark gives us some detail here on this man that informs us and shows us that this man was a tormented man. First, he he tells us, he, he describes the man as a man with an unclean spirit. A man with an unclean spirit. In other words, he was possessed by demonic power. He was enslaved under this foul, foul demonic spirit. And the New Testament tells us a lot about demonic possession. It, it, it shows us that demonic possession, possession is a real thing. Sometimes our thinking about the subject of demons um, usually falls into two extremes. C.S. Lewis puts it very well when he says there are two equal and opposite errors into which our rays can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and an unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, talking about the devils, are equally pleased by both errors and, and hail a materialist the one who does not believe, and a magician, the one who has an unhealthy interest, with the same delight. So the devil is is pleased when we don't believe that he exists. In the same way, he is pleased when we are obsessed with him, seeing demons everywhere and in everything. If this live stream starts to cut where you are, someone who is watching and, and they are obsessed with demons, they would say Satan is interfering with the live stream. There's an unhealthy obsession. But we, we, we see a biblical perspective in the Bible that describes that to, to, to be demon-possessed is to be controlled and, and tormented by evil fallen angels that are referred to as demons. It is clear that this man was under the control of this evil spirit. The demonic spirit had driven him to the tombs. When you look at verse 3a, it drove him away from his home. It made his new home a home with the dead, away from his loved ones, living by himself. It was so bad that all attempts to help this man from the community failed. Verse 3b tells us, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. for, For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to to subdue him. He had an unusual supernatural strength 
that made it hard for people to help him at all. All attempts failed. That phrase, no one could tame him, or no one could bind him, can also be translated, no one could tame him. Immediately you can see that there's something wrong here. Because human beings are normally not tamed. It is a word that is used to tame wild animals. In other words, this demonic spirit had turned this man into a wild beast. He, he, he was beastly in his actions. He was beastly in the way he lived. They wanted to tame him. They treated him like an animal. He lived like an animal because of an unclean spirit that had possessed him. He had no hope of relief. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. This is probably his attempt to get rid of this foul spirit and, and maybe even take his own life, but it never got better. There was no relief from all his attempts. All his attempts, he continued to be tormented by this evil spirit. And what a, vivid, what a vivid picture of how sin traps and enslaves those who commit it, but those who fled with it and, and become caught in its clashes. You see, to, to sin is to surrender yourself in the hands of the devil. Jesus said, John says in, in the first part of 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, he says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. In other words, a habitual sinful life is a life under the control of Satan. And, 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 and Satan's plan is only to steal, destroy, and kill. He is a murderer and has always been a murderer. He never has a good plan about the lives of people, about the lives of God's people. You see, sin, brothers and sisters, sin, friends, defiles, it, it defaces, and it leaves you miserable and without hope. Sin promises you joy, but delivers misery. It, 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 it promises you enjoyment, but it ruins your life. It promises you a life of, of, of great pleasure, but at the end of the day, the terms and conditions are that you will be destroyed. This was the condition of this man. But on this day, it was different. He met Jesus. And we see this in the second dramatic episode. And that shows us the authority of Jesus. We see confrontation with the evil spirit. And we see this in verses 6 to verse 13. Notice his response when he sees Jesus. Mark tells us that he ran and fell down before him in verse 6. Previously, when the people of um, Gerasim tried to help this man, their attempts failed as this unclean spirit uh, broke all their chains and, and probably gave the hidings to some, to some of them. Uh, this supernatural strength is underscored by the fact that he could 
break the chains and shackles that bound him to pieces and that there was no one who had the power to, 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 to subdue him. But on this day, he has met a man of superior power, a man of a higher authority. Mark has already shown us his authority in different ways. In, 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 in the previous verses of, of the gospel according to Mark, First, he has shown us in chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, that he has authority to forgive sins. In, in, in chapter 2, verse 23 to 28, he has authority over the Sabbath. In, in chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, and chapter 3, verse 1 to 16 to 6, he has authority over paralysis. In chapter 4, verse 35 to 41, he has authority over nature. He tells the winds and the waves to be still, and they obey. And he has authority over demons. He, he does not need chains to bind uh, those who are demon-possessed. We look at this, this demon-possessed man. He, he comes running to Jesus, and he, he falls before him. He, he can't help but feel overpowered by this superior authority. The, the Greek verb here, fell down before him, denotes prostrating oneself before a person to whom reverence and worship is due. James Edwards says this. He says, when, when demoniac meets divine, it is a no context, contest event. Notice what he says here. What have you to do with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. It is clear here that it is the evil spirit that is speaking through the man. There's a clear acknowledging of the person of Jesus Christ here. He is the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. It is a title that reveals that Jesus Christ is no mere man, but he is God in the flesh. He, he, what is even more amazing is that this demonic spirit is legion. It, 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 it is many demons that has possessed the man. The, the, that word legion was the number of a Roman regiment consisting of about 6,000 foot soldiers and 120 horsemen. In other words, he was captive to many, many demons. He was captive to thousands of demons that were possessing him. But they had no power over Jesus. They, they begged him to send them to the pigs. But, and he granted their request. They, they could see that this is the superior power. Friends, when you come to Christ, there is no need to fear demonic spirits anymore. There is no need to, to, to live in fear anymore because Jesus Christ has authority even over the evil spirits. That there is no need to, 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 to be restless when you sleep. That there is no need to fear when you hear noise on top of your, your house. That there is no need to fear anymore. Trust in Jesus Christ. Place your hand, your, your faith in Jesus Christ because he has defeated the kingdom of darkness. To come to Jesus is to be truly delivered from the influence of the, of the evil one. 
They beg him to, to send them to the, to the pigs and he, he sends them. He, he grants their request. But I, what I want you to notice, what I want you to focus on, it is the compassion of Jesus towards this man. Look at verse 8. It says, for he was saying to him, talking to the unclean spirit, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. You see, no one wanted to be next to the man for fear of their own lives. And understandably so, because this man seemed to be dangerous. He, he, he had this unusual supernatural power that had possessed him. An unusual supernatural power that could break chains into pieces, shackles into pieces. It's a, it's a power that one would be afraid of. Uh, you would think that uh, um, he would even break you like a twig. But, but Jesus Christ is not afraid. He, he shows compassion towards this man and he calls us the, the, this foul, unclean spirit out of the man. And what is even more amazing about this story, what is, you know, just amazing, is the fact that to, a, to an Orthodox Jew, this man would be considered unclean. He had a false spirit and he was living in a graveyard and, and, and that made one unclean. So in, in, if you come in contact as an Orthodox Jew with a man who has been living in a graveyard, there's a fear that his uncleanness will be transferred to you. There's a fear that you will become unclean. But it is not so with Jesus. When Jesus touches a person who is considered unclean, the person's uncleanliness does not transfer to Jesus, but the cleanliness of Jesus transfers to the man. He, he touches the lepers. He, he touches the demon-possessed. He touches the immoral Samaritan woman. And his power is transferred to them. His cleanliness is transferred to them. And this shows us the amazing cleansing power of the gospel. It shows us the amazing cleansing power of the death of Christ on the cross. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For, for our sake God made him who knew no sin, he made him sin who knew no sin to be sin." Uh, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God took our uncleanness. He took all our uncleanliness and gave us his righteousness, a righteousness that is pleasing to the Father, a righteousness that makes us new people, new creatures, that transforms our lives, a righteousness that when, 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 when the Father looked at the Son, he said to him, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. This righteousness of Christ is transferred to us by imputation. It is imputed to us because of his death on the cross for sin, his burial and his resurrection that justifies us and makes us one with him and makes us right with God. It is this righteousness that is transferred to us. We are new people because of what Christ has done on the cross. 
what is interesting and, and surprising, what is very uncharacteristic, considering what has just happened, is the response of the community, of the garrisons. We, we see that in the third dramatic uh, episode, uh, the response of the community, we see that in verses 14 to verse 17. After the demons leave the man and possess a herd of pigs and drown about 2,000 of them in the sea, the, the headsmen run in fear and, and report this to the city and to the whole country, to the country. The, 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 the people of the country, the people of the city come and they came to Jesus and, and saw the demon-possessed man, the, the, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. What normally should come next is, is what we usually see when Jesus performs a miracle by healing someone. What, what, what we normally expect after that event, we expect um, the, the author of that account to tell us they were all amazed and glorified God. But in this case, we, we, we don't see that. It is not the case here. Instead of welcoming Jesus and seeing him as the Savior, glorifying God for what he has done by delivering this man, they ask him to pack his bags and leave. Look at verse 17. They began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. I remember once we, we were doing house-to-house -house evangelism and we entered a house and a lady in her 40s came out and greeted us. She asked what was the reason for our visit and, and we told her that we came to share the, God, the gospel, the good news. We came to tell her about Jesus Christ, who is the author of life and who gives life to those who believe. And before saying another word, we were running away while she chased us with a broomstick. She didn't want to hear any of what we were about to say. Same here, that the physician of the soul had come to the Gerasenes, that they saw his power with the deliverance of, of this man whom they struggled for years to tame. And instead of embracing Jesus, they showed him the exit door. Instead of embracing him, they said leave. Mark tells us that their motivation was fear. Fear for their commercial success, probably. Fear of a power they could not understand. What can he do? What demands can he make? In, in their minds, to surrender to him might mean to leave behind their pagan lives, to leave behind a life of sin. But instead, they chose sin in place of the giver of life. And what a sad example of the human heart that the heart that has not been touched by the grace of God would choose sin anytime over God. It would choose a life that is displeasing to God. It would choose all that God hates. It would choose to pursue all that God despises, 
all that God, um, all that is displeasing to God, and it will reject God. It will reject Jesus Christ. It will reject all that God gives. But God's grace, God's grace, my friends, God's grace, brothers and sisters, is like an open sea. Those who plunge in it are received gladly. Those who plunge in the sea of God's grace are truly refreshed. They are refreshed, they are cleansed, they are made new. We see this clearly with the man who has just been delivered. In the fourth and last dramatic episode that shows us the authority of Jesus, we see a changed man. Verse 18 to verse 20, a changed man. You see, my friends, my brothers and sisters, God is in the business of changing people. He is in the business of cleansing sinners and delivering them from slavery to sin. We've seen with the previous encounters that we, we saw in the past few weeks how Jesus in his compassion reaches out to people and gives them new hearts. He gives them hearts that love him and that want to follow him. Hearts that are delighted in him. Hearts that, that want to proclaim him and make him known. A man who, is, who was previously tormented by an unclean spirit is in his right mind, clothed and seating with Jesus. Above the freedom from a demonic spirit, he's experienced freedom from sin. His heart now desires to be with Jesus. Unlike the other Gerasenes who are begging Jesus Christ to, to, leave their, to leave their place, this man was begging Jesus to be with him. He knew that there is no greater thing than knowing Jesus. He saw Jesus as his all, his best, his love and his righteousness. His heart, his soul, his life were surrendered to Jesus. And that is all that he wanted. He wanted nothing else. Friends, you see, to be saved is to prize Jesus. It is to see him as your supreme and ultimate treasure. It is to stand in the presence of Jesus and wonder how he could love a sinner deserving condemnation like you and me. This is all that this man wants. He wants to be with Jesus. If you were to ask him at that moment uh, what he wants, I, I believe that he would say, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. You can have all the treasures of this world. But please give me Jesus. But to his dismay, his disappointment, Jesus does not grant him his request, but says to him in verse 19, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you in verse 19. Jesus commissions them to, to go back and testify of all that the Lord has done for him. He, he turns a man who was demon possessed into an evangelist who will testify about him. As Jesus Christ gets into the boat, to leave the, 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 the city that does not want him. He leaves a witness for himself in that city. 
He leaves a man who will speak about him, who will testify about him, who will tell many about him, who will draw many to Jesus Christ. And sure enough, in verse 20, Mark tells us that he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. We can see how the, the, the hearts of the people are, are changing. People are, have, have, are witnessing this amazing power, uh, this amazing power that is greater than the power of legion. Jesus left him behind, not because there was no space in the boat. Jesus left him behind because there was a need for someone to hear about him in the Decapolis, in the Gerasenes. There was someone who needed to hear the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, of the King who has come to establish his kingdom, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, draws those who believe in him, brings them to the Father, cleanses them, makes them new, makes them new creatures, gives them new heart, gives them a new life, gives them a new name. Where they are, they were sinners, he makes them saints. He, he makes them into a people that are after God's heart. This is the message that Jesus sends the man to go back into the city to tell his friends, to tell his family, to tell his community about a Jesus that saves. In the same way, brothers and sisters, when we are saved, we, we, we are not taken immediately into heaven, but are sent to our friends, to our family, to our communities, to our colleagues, to declare the saving power of Christ. Are you testifying about Christ, what Christ has done for you? about his lordship, about his saving death on the cross? Are you testifying? Are you telling it on the mountains that Jesus Christ is Lord? Are you telling it to those who are with you and do not know Jesus? I mean, I would think that during this lockdown, we are locked with our family members and some of them do not know the Lord. Are you trying to use this time to, 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 to redeem the time by um, sharing the gospel with them, by, by living a life uh, that shows the transforming power of the gospel, a life that testifies of the changing and transforming power of the gospel? Are you reaching out to them? Are you reaching out to them? May, may God um, give us a passion. To, to see indeed, as, as this man saw, that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord over sickness. He is Lord who, who forgives sin. He is Lord over paralysis. He is Lord over nature. He is Lord over the Sabbath. And he is Lord even over demonic powers. And he delivers us from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous life. May God bless our hearts. May God give us a desire to declare him and to carry out the great commission as we reach out to many. God bless you.
and enjoy your Sunday.